You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are here to preview the divisional round matchup between the New York football giants, our beloved New York football giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris, how you doing, my man? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It is sunny. It is unseasonably warm, weirdly warm for January. I was able to go out in a t-shirt before. That that, that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> Damn, going out in a t-shirt on the East Coast in the North, kind of, right? Oh, no. Not, not anymore. <laughs> Not in the morning? No, then, dude, it doesn't even matter. Then I'm not yeah. even going to entertain it, okay? I figured you weren't in the North. I didn't know uh, exactly where you were, but regardless of the fact, it's okay. You know why, Chris? Because the Giants are playing in the Elite Eight, if you want to use college basketball <laughs> term. Now, they are seven-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at Lincoln Financial Field against the Philadelphia Eagles team where the Giants have not defeated them there since 2013. But you know what? It's gravy at this point. No one expected this Giants team to be in the playoffs. Here they are overachieving, defeating teams like the Minnesota Vikings, who won 13 games, shocking the world (laughs) somehow. Yes, shocking the world. And we have seen the development and the growth from the quarterback position that we've all been looking for since 2019 in Daniel Jones. So it's a great place to be a Giant fan. And now, hey, Giants have thrived in the past, Chris, with that chip on their shoulder, with that underdog mentality, and they'll certainly have that on Saturday night. Yeah, and they can look back just two weeks to see their backups. Davis Webb and basically the Giants' third-string offense giving the Eagles starters everything they can handle. Now, I'm personally not sure just how much that tape is worth in preparation for this game, but at least the Giants can have a measure of confidence. I don't know that they would have had if the last game they had played was like that week 14 game where Fox cut off at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah, the week 14 game was was a rough one. Giants were down like 21 nothing early on, but I also think that allowed the Giants not to use Daniel Jones as a runner all that often. I think they were a little bit more conservative with that, and they also basically like bench Saquon Barkley in the second half. They were like, all right, man, we're just – you had 35 carries a couple weeks ago. You can calm yourself down. So this is a new game. It's not week 14. It's not week, week 18, and we got to, I think, start with Mike Kafka's offense and what will Mike Kafka do to take advantage of a very, very, I would say important aspect of this game, which is the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Philadelphia Eagles have been unreal at rushing the passer. They have talented players all across their defensive roster. James Bradbury, Darius Slay, Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the secondary. Do you think Chris, and we'll start here, I actually just did a video on the 21 personnel pony package. Do you think that's going to be another big part 
of this game plan. We saw the Giants use it 15.9% of the time in week 18, test it out. Gary Brightwell had like a 30 plus yard run out of that, if you remember, with the jet motion. And then they come out and use it 20% of the time against the Vikings. I felt like took the Vikings off guard. Do you think that's going to be another big part of the game plan heading into Saturday night? You know, I think it will be because, you know, as much as we've talked about how the Giants receiving core is better than a lot of people have given them credit for, I do feel like the 21 personnel package puts their best players on the field. And it also is very useful for manipulating offenses. That's why Kyle Shanahan uses it a lot. Now, granted, he uses a fullback and not two running backs, but by putting two two players in the backfield or three if you line uh if you line the tight end up as an h back it really does force the defense to condense their formation and also put a heavier personnel package on the field and both of those things are very conducive to creating favorable matchups in the passing game it makes it that much easier for the offense to create traffic in the defense which creates separation for your wide receivers and it also creates better personnel matchups because you know if they're if the defense is out there with maybe a three safety package or a just straight up base defense you have a linebacker and a safety tasked with defending Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida and that is that is just an incredible matchup advantage for your offense now Taking advantage of that is easier said than done, which I think is something we're going to get into when we talk about the Eagles defensive front and how they're able to get after the passer. But I think that is going to be creating those schematic advantages is going to have to be the basis for the Giants path to victory, which is another thing we're going to get into. The element of surprise and deception is it's been a big part of what Mike Kafka has done. It's one reason why the Giants have had success on offense. And we saw that in the wild card round. Because when the Giants were in 21 personnel, that's two running backs on the field, right? The Giants ran the football, I think, in like six or seven different manners. And we're talking about just wild type of runs. I think we broke it down in the last show. But just to kind of reiterate, you had the Statue of Liberty play in the red zone, the end around Darius Slayton in the red zone, the 28-yard touchdown run by Saquon Barkley with jet motion. The third and one pickup by Matt Breida, that was actually a jet sweep that was set up the entire game by that 21 personnel. You also just had Saquon Barkley rushes, and you had a wing back power handoff underneath Daniel Jones off a halfback misdirection to Saquon Barkley. So there's just a variety of, of ways and manners that the Giants have employed that personnel package to exploit the Vikings. And I think it will be a part of the game plan. The Eagles, they're a much better defense than the Vikings, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But Chris, what do you think, other than the 21 personnel package, the Giants can take away from that Vikings game from the offensive standpoint? We could look at the Giants offensive line, maybe. But what do you think is the key I would say, I guess, a critical part of what the Giants did against the Vikings that could possibly translate against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, for me, I mean, it was actually. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> for me, it was actually how Mike Kafka evolved the offense over the course of the game. He started out, and we talked about this in a re- review show. He started out with that twenty-one personnel pony package, and the Giants taking deep shots off of that package. But as the game wore on. And the Vikings were able to adjust and the Giants 
offense stopped sprinting down the field, Kafka switched to much more of an 11 personnel kind of classic, modern classic spread coast quick game offense. And he really used those route concepts and the blocking scheme on the quick passes to manipulate the Vikings defense and create scramble lanes in for Daniel Jones. And it, it was almost kind of like a triple option offense where he had the two passing options and then the in, almost in place of a check down was the run. And I think that Kafka evolving the offense, kind of staying fluid in his own tendencies, prevented the Vikings defense from making adjustments quickly enough. And something in what he said during the during the week about the differences in being up in the booth versus on the sideline, like when he was the Kansas City Chiefs quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator, he was on the sideline. And while that allowed him to have basically his finger on the pulse of the players to, to really see how they were reacting and how they were feeling over the course of a game, being up in the booth allows him to have that first person bird's eye view, as opposed to just relying on another coach or an assistant relaying the information down to him. It also kind of separates him from the game. Like he, he doesn't have the roar of the crowd quite as much. He can actually use a desk and lay out all of his notes and all that sort of thing. And I do believe that has actually quietly been an advantage for the Giants with how Kafka is at attacking tendencies and exploiting matchups almost before the defense can react to them. I think that's a good point too. And think about it just from a human level. You're up there in the box, man. That, the noise, it's it's much more condensed. You're not going to hear it as much. And you can think very clearly with your coaching staff that you have selected around you. It's just a better way to think on what is the best option to actually attack this defense. And when you're looking at the Eagles defense, I mean, there's a lot of questions you can ask. Are they going to use more man coverage? They used cover one specifically 25% of the time in week 14 and then 23% of the time in week 18. Again, not 100% certain how much we're going to read into that, but we know Jonathan Gannon, he's not Wink Martindale. He's much more of a quarters type of team. There's going to be a lot of match principles. What is one thing that Mike Kafka has exploited? He did it against Ed Donatel. He's done it against plenty of defensive coordinators is how to manipulate the match principles because you're a coach. You understand what the defense is trying to do to you pre-snap if post-snap, that look pre-snap is confirmed. So I think you're going to see a lot of bunches, more so maybe stacks from two-by-two two sets in an attempt to take advantage of the principles of the defense like we saw in the red zone with the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown, right? You had Richie James aligned outside, and all Richie James did was motion a little bit. He just moved a little bit right before the snap, right? Set right inside of of uh, Isaiah Hodgins and what happened that switched the responsibilities. And then Isaiah Hodgins ran the post and he had natural outside leverage against Patrick Peterson, who was originally aligned over Richie James. And that led to that post touchdown, little adjustments like that. They're so subtle, Chris, but they can go a long way. And I think that is one path to victory for the New York giants is Mike Kafka dialing those up pre to post snap. And then Daniel Jones executing on his throws. Yes. That, that I think is going to be one of the biggest things, the biggest things for this Giants offense to have success against the Eagles defense because the 
Giants are going to have to stay ahead of the change. Like that's just that is just written in stone. They are not going to be able to have, I think, the kind of success they had against the Vikings if they get behind early in the early in the driver, early in the on early downs and distances. Like they, they are not going to be able to play from second and twelve all that often against the Eagles defense because the Eagles pass rush is absolutely unreal. And the thing that has me concerned is that Josh Sweat is back. Robert Quinn is back. The Eagles pass rush might be the healthiest and deepest it has been all year long. They have 70 sacks on the season. That leads the NFL. Number two, is the Kansas City Chiefs with 55 sacks. Number three is the Dallas Cowboys with Micah Parsons and those guys with 54. So the Eagles have 15 and 16 more sacks than the next two closest teams. They also lead the NFL in pressure rate. And that honestly has to be a concern. It's definitely a concern. And when you think about just historically, there hasn't been a team that had more than 65 sacks since the 2000 Saints, Chris, it's insane. They were two sacks away from defeating the Chicago Bears record. I believe it was set in 1984. That's how explosive this pass rush can be. And I think it's on the Giants to be efficient on first down. I think you have to not get put into those situations where it's second and long and third and long and Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick and all of those pass rushers can pin their ears back and get after you. I think that's one way that the Giants can really have success, man. And that that kind of goes into something else I kind of wanted to ask you about before we transition to the Giants defense. The Giants were apt to throw the ball on first down, which I love. I love doing that. I don't really necessarily love throwing or running the ball consistently on first down and being predictable. But if the Giants take some deep shots, which they did in the beginning of the Vikings game, and they're incomplete, that's going to set up those second and longs, which Daniel Jones was excellent in against the Minnesota Vikings. He was like seven to seven for over 70 yards. He was amazing on, on those second and long type of situations. But Chris, against the Eagles, how often do you want to find yourself in a second and long, especially a third and long when those guys can pin their ears back? It's uh, it's a little bit concerning, but I'll say this, the double moves against the zone coverage that we're probably going to see against Jonathan Gannon was something that I felt like gave the Giants space in week 14, it's just they did not execute on that space. There were a bunch of times where the Giants were beat Darius Slay and James Bradbury deep on double moves that just throw wasn't made or Daniel Jones was sacked. I know I just threw a lot at you there, but what are your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I would not be surprised if we see the Giants lead off with the run just to get the offense moving forward. Because like you said, an incomplete pass is that that is not good for the offense. It sets them back. It gives the it makes the offense just a little bit more predictable on that second down. And also, the as good as the Eagles pass rush is, as good as their defense is overall, their run defense has over the course of the season not been that good. Now, they had they've taken steps to address that. They signed Indomitian Sue, they signed Linval Joseph, they gotten Jordan Davis back healthy. Milton Williams, second year defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech is improving and developing, but 
overall, their run defense has been much worse than their pass defense. Really, their best run defense has been their offense forcing opposing offenses to throw the ball just to keep up. So I think if the Giants lean on the run early on, early downs and distances, that would not surprise me at all. It also wouldn't surprise me if they try to take those deep shots or at least show those deep shots off of play action. Yeah, I I think multiple things can be true at once, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Giants try to use both of those things and put both of those concepts in the Eagles' minds on defense. Yeah, unless the Eagles jump out to a huge lead, I don't think Saquon Barkley is only going to have nine carries again. Like, I I think Saquon Barkley will have more. I still think the Giants will pass. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to throw consistently on first down. But I do think Saquon Barkley will be a bigger part on the ground, and you know he's going to be an asset as a pass catcher. But Chris, you have anything else on the Giants offense before we go to the defense? Yeah, you know, I anything else I think we can save for the end because we do have some things to talk about after we talk about the defense. Awesome. So before we get to the defense, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris, how are we going to read into that week 18 game with the Philadelphia Eagles because they had all their starters out there. So you can look at it and be like, look, they only had the one touchdown. Of course, it was to Boston Scott and the Giants <laughs> defense. And it was their secondary defense was able to force, I think, five field goals in that game, if I'm not mistaken. But man, that offense was so damn vanilla in week 18. So do you read anything into that approach from Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen? Right here, right now, I do not. Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts was just getting back from injury. He was just getting his feet wet. He had had very limited practice before that. And as you said, the Eagles were incredibly vanilla on offense and defense for that matter. Yeah, I got I really got the feeling that the the Eagles were absolutely trying to win, but they were trying to do so 
while holding as much of their scheme and their plans and their wrinkles in reserve as they could. Yeah, I think, I don't know that they planned on seeing the Giants for a third time, but I think they wanted to give the rest of the NFL as little on tape as possible, particularly since it had been, what, two weeks since Jalen Hurts had been on the field at all. You know, they have plans, they have, you know, schemes, different things they see in themselves, their own self-scouting that they can adjust. Now, this this game, this week, Jalen Hurts is off the injury report. To quote Wink Martindale, Hurts has been an MVP candidate this year, and the Giants would be absolutely foolhardy to assume that he would be anything other than an MVP caliber quarterback out there. And I think they need to approach the game just like that. They need to prepare as though they were facing the Eagles in that week 14 game. Wink Martindale couldn't be more correct about it, but it is interesting, Chris, because the last fully healthy game Jalen Hurts has played in was week 14 where the Eagles beat the Giants 48 to 22 because he hurt his shoulder against Chicago and he finished that game. And he ran in, I think, like three touchdowns or so. It was a it was a great performance. But then we got Gardner Minshew against Dallas, Gardner Minshew against the Saints, and a hobbled Jalen Hurts in week 18 or a restricted Jalen Hurts. So I think it's safe to even assume or just ask, yeah, he's off the injury report, but how healthy is that shoulder? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I think the what? only people who know is Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and the Eagles medical staff. <laughs> And I think we'll learn, you know, early on in that game, Chris, because if it's like three drives in and we've seen no Jalen Hurts rushing attempts, you start asking like, hey, we get some hits on this guy, make him uncomfortable. Who knows what can happen? We're not talking about bounty gate stuff, obviously. This is a very physical game, though. So you you just get after him. You put pressure on him. You make him uncomfortable. That, that could be an interesting development early in the football game. But on the first play of the game, if Nick Sirianni dials up a quarterback power and he lowers his shoulder over Jalen Smith or something, that's I think we can almost be like, oh, geez, unless something really happens in this game, he's definitely back to that MVP caliber, caliber uh, athlete. But Chris, how worried are you about A.J. Brown and, and Devonta Smith, man? Like I'm a little I'm looking at this 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 offense. It's just how do you really defend them. I know the Giants have Leonard Williams, Xavier McKinney, and Adoree Jackson back. They didn't have any of those guys in either of these Philadelphia Eagles matchups, but defending this offense with a fully healthy Jalen Hurts, that is not fun. No, it, it really isn't because they have kind of built the NFL's best pick your poison offense in at least for this year because when they're healthy, They've got three good receivers in A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Quez Watkins. They've got a fourth in Dallas Goddard. They have a stable of very good running backs. No, none of them are as good as Saquon Barkley. But as a whole, they have very complementary skill sets. And each of them can contribute to the offense in different ways. And they're running behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And then you have Jalen Hurts who can run it himself. And he has turned into a very good quarterback, just a very good passer in his own right. So they have just so many different types of game they can play. 
it's very difficult to take away all of them. You know, it's not just like playing the Vikings where if you can contain Justin Jefferson, you can kind of contain their whole offense because so much is built around that one guy going off. Yeah. AJ Brown isn't, he is, he is a beast of a receiver. Yeah. He's the same height as Justin Jefferson, but he's 30 pounds heavier. And then you try to, if you bracket him, then you've got Devonta Smith out of the slot. You've got Quez Watkins as a good possession guy. You've got Dallas Goddard as a dangerous tight end. And then if, if you're playing like the kind of unwink, like quarters coverage that they played against Justin Jefferson, well, then you're taking resources out of the tackle box to deal with that very good uh, NFL leading rushing game. So yeah, that really is a, that is really difficult to try to contain the whole thing. You almost have to decide how you decide what you want to sacrifice. It's going to be interesting too, Chris, because you're going to see some man coverage from Wink Martindale, right? You'll probably see some quarters. You'll see cover three. You'll see all that stuff, match stuff. But you need to win those one-on-one matchups. I know Fabian Moreau is a little bit dinged up right now, but even with Fabian Moreau, him against Devonta Smith is something that is a little scary. I mean, AJ Brown against Adoree Jackson is scary. I think Adoree Jackson can win that matchup, certainly. But AJ Brown can get his too. He's one of the best contested catch wide receivers and overall wide receivers in the National Football League. Dallas Goddard against Xavier McKinney. I mean, man coverage could pose an issue if Jalen Hurts is apt to run as well. So there's there's a lot that kind of goes in to this matchup and what Wink Martindale is going to be able to do. But we know they're going to be prepared. We know they're going to do their film study. They're going to really be dialed into that phase. So it's just going to come down to execution at some point. And um, I'm just hoping the Giants can get the best of, of this team. I think one of the keys to the game, though, Chris, is the Giants defensive line against the Eagles offensive line. As you wrote down here in the notes, strength versus strength. And you're right. And I think the key player involved in this, yes, Lane Johnson, he's dealing with that groin injury, their star right tackle. That guy, he's phenomenal. He's going to be a little bit dinged up, though. Leonard Williams wasn't there in week 14. And that allowed Isaac Siamalu, Jason Kelsey, and Landon Dickerson to get two of those three on Dexter Lawrence. Now, they might do that again, but the difference between Leonard Williams having a one-on-one matchup and Henry Mondo and Ryder Anderson having one-on-one matchups is drastic. I think Leonard Williams is one player that he could be a big difference maker up front for the Giants that could really help the Giants maybe get close in this game or even win. Yeah, that that is definitely going to be a place to watch uh, how Wink Martindale uses his defensive tackles to try to manipulate the Eagles blocking schemes because, you know, we talked about it before, the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah, Jason Kelsey is in the top 10 of ESPN's pass block win rate for pass protection, and run blocking. Uh, Jordan Mailata, I believe, is in the top 10 as well of, of both. He's certainly in the top 10 as far as a run block, as far as being a run blocker is concerned. Uh, Lane Johnson is, I believe, in the top 10 as a pass protector. He, he might even be the top pass protector in the NFL, at least when healthy. So the Giants definitely have the work cut out for them as good as their defensive front is 
yeah, they are facing a good and very veteran offensive front from the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I I think one thing to watch is yeah, I I, I fully expect Wink Martindale to be aggressive and to blitz. Yeah, you know, the Giants I think know who they are facing. I think they know that containment isn't really going to work as long as the Eagles offense is functional, as long as it's clicking. And I I think they know they can't allow the Eagles to get any kind of traction offensively. So I fully expect Wink to basically throw the kitchen sink at them as far as alignment and blitz design goes. And maybe getting the one-on-ones aren't a win in and of themselves, but using those one-on-ones to force a free run for a Julian Love or a Landon Collins into the backfield will be the win the Giants are going for up front. I think you have to get pressure on Jalen Hurts. I also think you have to be smart. If you're getting carved up in those one-on-one matchups, you're, it's going to be difficult, man. I think if you do get those pressures, you have to try to have that free rusher, right? And that's something that Wink Martindale loves to scheme up. The free rusher, you load up the line of scrimmage. Sometimes you can bail. Sometimes you can send them, try to manipulate the protection. But that free rusher needs to get home. And we've seen Jalen Hurts have a free rusher, dial them in, and Jalen Hurts somehow gets out of it. So you need to actually execute your sack when that opportunity arises because it's it's easier said than done me sitting in this computer chair rather yes. than that apex defender flying off unblocked i think aziz ojalari i'm really hoping that he can get back i know he has that bruised quad it seems like it could be a pain tolerance type of issue i think him and Kayvon thibodeau could be difference makers in this game as well just pressuring and hitting hurts is going to be a big part of this game but i think before we get out of here chris we got to bring up this eagles rushing attack too they rushed for 253 yards in that first game. And a lot of their their successful runs came power gap, but specifically GH counter, which we know the Giants cannot defend. They haven't defended it this entire year, have they, Chris? The Dallas game, the Jacksonville game, the Baltimore game. It's, it's been something that the Giants have really struggled with. Gerard Davis is, I guess, the difference in in those defenses now, but I'm not really confident Gerard Davis is going to step in here and be and be the guy who's going to fix their issues with GH counter. But man, that that's that just goes to show you, man, that this team is really dangerous because we're worried about Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts. What about that rushing attack with that offensive line? It's it's very very uh, intimidating. It is, and we talked in the first half about how varied the Giants' rushing attack was against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, the Eagles might have the most varied rushing attack in the whole NFL. Yeah, they they pull from just about every kind of scheme and philosophy when it comes to running the ball. And that's something they started last year and that really kind of triggered this turnaround in them. Yeah, early on last year the the Eagles sucked. And it was because they wanted to be a high-octane pass-first team. But they didn't really have the... That wasn't really their DNA, the way the team was constructed. Nick Sirianni switched gears, reversed course, and turned them into a running team. And they have really carried that as the as the foundation of their offense. And... One of the advantages of being that 
versatile and diverse in your running game is it, it it allows you to find the ways that your opponent cannot defend and attack those. And it makes it very difficult for your opponent to predict what you're going to do and take it away from you. We've seen that work out in the Giants' favor when they are that diverse, but again, this is one of those cases where they're going to have to figure out a way to try to contain their opponent and then deal with the fact that the Eagles are really good at layering concepts and sequencing concepts off of that diverse running game. Like we saw that in the first game with their quarterback sneak and how they, they actually built a toss play off of the quarterback sneak. Yeah. They've been doing that for quite a while and they do a lot of stuff out of shotgun too. They're they're a lot of their zone read is a big part of their rushing attack, but it's going to be an interesting game, Chris. I'm excited for it, and I'm really obviously pulling for that big blue victory. It would be one of the best victories in this rivalry, obviously, because a lot of the victories have kind of gone against the Giants, it seems like, you know, with the miracle of the Meadowlands. The last four years, other than 2021, were close losses at the link against the New York Giants. Bad memories with that. Yes. But if the Giants can upset the number one seed in their building with this disparity in talent on these rosters, I, 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 would, I would absolutely love every single second of that. But Chris, before we get out of here, what is the path to victory for the Giants, right? Because it's not impossible for the Giants to win, right? It's not. Like These are professional football teams. So what's the path to victory? Yeah, we said early on in, this, in the season, the Giants are a team who can beat any team in the NFL. They're also a team that can lose to any team in the NFL. And I think the the path to victory for the Giants, and the reason why we, or at least I tried to concentrate so hard on what Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka can do to put the players in position to succeed, is I believe Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, and Wink Martindale are going to have to call the game of their lives in this game. You know, we talk talk about the the rhyme. It's you know the X's and O's or the Jimmys and the Joes. I I think this is a case where the Giants are going to have to win with X's and O's. They are just going to have to out scheme, out coach, and put their players in position to out execute the Eagles. And the Eagles are also going to have to screw up. And the Giants are going to have to going to have to be able to take advantage of those mistakes. Basically, if the Eagles are prepared for what the Giants do and they execute their own schemes and they play a clean game, the Giants have just an absolutely razor thin path to victory. They have no margin for error. I think you're right, man. I think they have to be opportunistic. I think, like we said, when the sack opportunities are there, sack Jalen Hurts, when the interceptions are there, actually pick the football off and they have to be efficient and play mistake-free football on offense. And that's something that this offense has done all season. They're, they don't make a lot of mistakes and Daniel Jones has been wildly efficient. I think those are some of the paths to victory. I think that offensive line needs to probably have their best game of the, of, of the season as well. Evan Neal, he's a big difference maker in this game because he can be a liability against Hassan Reddick. And I just think, as you said, man, the razor, this is a razor thin margin for error for this New York Giants team. And I'm just ready for the game to start. But Chris, everyone, 
Thank you for tuning in to Big Blue View Radio, the Chris and Nick show. Please head on over to bigblueview.com and check out all of our written content extensively covering this divisional round matchup between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go, Giants, ladies and gentlemen. Take care of each other and have a lovely one. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.